Thanks for listening to this Ave Maria radio podcast. Be sure to share it with your friends and family and across social media. Building the church so we can bless the nations. This is Ave Maria radio. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. One of the great shifts in modern political theory has been from a vision of a government that is like a father helping his citizen children toward the cultivation of virtue. That's the old model of statecraft as soulcraft. Okay. Uh, the newer version is that uh, government is there as the chief broker of power in a world of chaotic and competing power interests. And the way the story is told, and there are people who would argue this, but the way the story is told is that Machiavelli is the turning point uh, in this transition from the classical uh, Greek-Roman and Hebrew-Christian understanding of the state as principally interested in the cultivation of the virtue of its citizens, so statecraft is soulcraft, that's the old vision, to the modern vision of statecraft as exercise of secular power. Now today, when most people think of government, I, I don't think they have a good feel for the old vision. Statecraft is soulcraft, or the, the government has a real responsibility uh, to cultivate, help cultivate virtue of its citizens, even cultivation of friendship among its citizens. Uh, and the idea that government should be akin to a father to uh, his children strikes most of us, I think, as ludicrous, patronizing even. For instance, the idea of government as personal or fatherly, well, we don't think it works. I mean, we look around, and those of us who have actually tried to heal relationships between citizens of a neighborhood where there's been conflict, or those of us who have tried to provide reliable support for people to kick substance abuse habits, or uh, encouraging the poor to develop skills and virtues necessary to become self-sufficient, have tried to work with government, and we find that government does a pretty bad job at rendering effective social service. It, it doesn't change behaviors very much. The government is good at collecting taxes. It's good at distributing money to various agencies. Not so good on getting results for the money. And this has been recognized by many. Uh, during the Bush administration, there was the hope that we would see the rise of a partnership between faith-based institutions and various departments of the federal government. Uh, a, a, a common argument at the time would be, hey, look, look at Teen Challenge, uh, that ministry to street people and uh, that ministry to drug addicts that was started by the Assembly of God evangelist Dave Wilkerson. Look at the success they're having with their recovery programs. What would happen if they could get funded by the state and expand those programs? Well, the faith-based institution would be far more effective, wouldn't it? Well, for better or worse, 9-11 uh, happened, and the Bush administration was never able to really bring this faith-based partnership idea to, to great effectiveness. The Obama administration was even less uh, a fan of it, and the ACLU was really upset about it and kept fearing that somehow state funds were going to be used uh, to help convert people from one faith to another. And I would bet that most of us, when we think of the role of government in our lives, uh, we don't really expect it to play uh, a virtuous role. 
we don't expect, we don't think of the government as, quote, father to us, right? Uh, In fact, political conservatives have for a long time mocked the idea of paternalistic government. I know I have, uh, largely because it's a lousy father. And uh, I I don't like the way language gets abused that way. Uh, Government is not my father. Uh, Government tends to be impersonal, secular, not friendly, not fatherly. Uh, It can distribute lots of money, but it doesn't hold people accountable for results. So here's the surprise. All right, here's the surprise. St. Thomas Aquinas, who is, you know, the, the philosopher of Catholicism, most respected, although he was principally a theologian, not a philosopher, but he was a philosophical theologian, let's put it that way. St. Thomas Aquinas gives extensive treatment of civil law and how it should take place within the image of a boy being led into manhood by his father. (laughs) So St. Thomas Aquinas has this idea of the state as father to the citizen becoming a man. Other political theorists in the West have seen this relationship between father and government. Thomas Hobbes treats the father as the first and really the most terrible sovereign. Uh, Locke is similar. Uh, His second treatise was written as a response to another thinker's argument that all All civil government, all civil legitimacy is paternal. Rousseau uh, sees a man's realization that he is a father as the beginning uh, of the end of his blissful natural existence, even as citizen. Well, later modern thinkers like Freud were obsessed with the power of fatherhood. Postmodern political theorists, though, argue that the shift to what we now call modern government, occurs when we drop the image of father and family as related to government and adopt the more generic notion of mere population and citizen. Now, this is, this is funny because really this is relatively new in the history of thought. Most Western thinkers, going back to the Greeks and the Romans and the Hebrews, which even earlier than the Greeks and Romans, they begin their political thought with the question of how does a father lead his son into virtue? So the government begins to be seen, the civil government begins to be seen as fatherhood writ large. And this goes back even to Hebrew thought. Uh, At the beginning of its history, the people of Israel are unlike other people in that they have no king. God is their king. God is their sovereign, him alone. He's the one who intervenes on Israel's behalf. He does it, he brings about justice through charismatic individuals, as you see them in the book of Judges, right? Uh, uh, Samson, um, uh, Gideon. Uh, The the people approach the last of the judges, the Hebrew people uh, approach the last of the judges. This is a major transition between uh, the period of the judges and then the period of the kings. The people come to Samuel, who's the last judge, and he say, we want a king like the other nations. And Samuel warns them. He says, look, uh, you have a king. God is your king. Uh, and if you, get, if you get a human king, there are going to be some terrible consequences. A human king will become a despot. He'll bring high taxes. He'll draft your sons into battle. However, 
the authority of the king can also be experienced as a gift from Yahweh, uh, who comes to the assistance of his people through the king. It's a very subtle story uh, in uh, 1 Samuel there. And in the end, Saul is anointed king. Yahweh relents and says, okay, uh, we can get some good things done here. Saul is anointed king, and but there's re, there remains a tension between God as king and the human king. Um, throughout the history of Israel, then, at times you see that God is favoring uh, the king who seeks righteousness, and he's against the king who pursues unrighteousness. This is uh, important in the history, of course, of, of Catholic thought. Um, we go, of course, get outside the kingship of Israel, get outside of David, uh, Saul, Jeroboam, set those guys aside and come to the age of the prophets, and then the, you have the period of captivity, you come back, you rebuild the temple, and you have what's called Second Temple Judaism. And there's where Jesus comes up. Jesus comes, and he he's looking at, he's very skeptical of the power of the authorities, the civil authorities. He refuses the oppressive and despotic power that's yielded by the uh, rulers of the nations. He rejects their pretensions at uh, holding themselves as benefactors. In other words, he's suspicious of those who hold the civil authorities as great benefactors of the people. At the same time, though, he doesn't directly oppose the authorities of his time. He's not a revolutionary. Uh, I mean, in his pronouncement on the paying of taxes to Caesar, he affirms that we must give to God what is God's, implicitly condemning every attempt at making Caesar divine or absolute. So God alone can demand everything from man. Caesar can't. Caesar cannot uh, command allegiance, for instance, in the way that God can. Uh, you have to give temporal power its due. But Jesus, um, and Jesus doesn't consider it unjust to give taxes to Caesar. But you can never let the civil authorities stand in place of God. This was, a, uh, this was an ongoing problem from the time that ancient Israel said to Samuel, give us a king. We were warned, at that, our ancestors were warned that the demand for a human king was going to be fraught with all kinds of problems. At the same time, God made it clear that, yes, I can bring about good things through the king. So Jesus, who's the promised Messiah, of course, he fights uh, against, he overcomes the temptation of uh, the political kingship, right? He, he, uh, he could brought all the nations into submission at the time of the Incarnation. He could have exercised the kind of power that apparently Judas wanted him to exercise. And in fact, we think the apostles at one time wanted him to exercise that kind of knock-down, drag-out power uh, over the nations and establish himself uh, as, again, the messianic ruler. But uh, that doesn't happen. Uh, instead, Jesus, of course, is crusified by the civil authorities in, in collusion with the Jewish uh, leaders. Uh, but what happens? He dies, he's buried, he rises from the grave, he ascends to heaven, and what happens? He sits at the right hand of God. He fulfills the promise of Israel to have a king on the throne. And in fact, St. Paul subsequently tells uh, Christians uh, 
that uh, they are to submit to the earthly authorities for conscience sake, that they have authority, but it's given to them by God, that uh, we, in fact, are to treat the civil authorities as having their authority, deriving their authority uh, from God. In fact, he insists, like Jesus did, on our duty to pay taxes, pay all of them their taxes, taxes to whom taxes do, revenue to whom where revenue is due, fear to whom fear is due, respect to whom respect is due. And he doesn't intend to legitimize every authority so much as to help Christians take thought for what's noble in the sight of all. He, you know, this isn't, this isn't just a kind of blank check to the government, which says all Christians will now bow before you. No, he's saying to us, remember who the king really is. Christ is on the throne, even as Caesar exists. And we should always remember our ultimate allegiance to the king who is in fact a father to his people. But there ought to be some suspicion about those humans who sit in positions of power and authority. 